Welcome to the Missio Day podcast. Missio Day is a family of Jesus, joining God as he makes all things new in Chicago. Check us out online at missiodaychicago.com. We've been in a six-week series now that we've been calling Cornerstone. And I admit to you that, uh, especially for those of you who are visiting or who have been here for a shorter amount of time, um, that this might feel a little different. And it is. It's more thematic than we usually preach at Missio Day. Typically what we do is we open up a book of the Bible and we get rooted in the scripture and we teach from that, apply it, consider it in its own context and in our life today. This is a more thematic series, which has a different tone to it. After a while, I was talking to Sam. It starts to feel a little funny um, to do this, but we felt like it was really an important series to do in the middle of our time spent in the Gospel of Luke. And because of this series with Cornerstone, what we've been doing, we've been using some Missio Dei language, but really just as a springboard for a larger conversation about what does it mean to be the church, the identity we carry as followers of Jesus. It's about a conversation, even though we're using our own language, but it really it transcends denomination, worship style, community vibe, all that stuff, that when you're finding a church, you wanna find the place that feels right. But the language that we're using here isn't to be focused on our language, but instead on our collective identity. How does the church actually live out the concept that Jesus Christ would be our cornerstone still today, actively today? How is this head of the church, Jesus is the head of the body, uh, the bride, uh, the church is the bride of Christ. All of this has this centrality of Jesus language. How do we live into this identity? Yes, individually, of course, but really collectively uh, in, our, in our lives together as the church. So I know that um, a lot, very, I would say it the opposite way, very few people in our world and with our travel schedules can um, be in church for a whole series at a time. And so we also know we often have visitors. And so I was asked to do a bit of a recap here as we get started. So we started out talking about our vision. And what this is, is looking at our language around joining God in the renewal of all things and remembering our core identity. Why does a local church matter? This gathering that we do, it matters. We started this part in Ephesians 2, talking about Jesus as the cornerstone and therefore we've been built into a holy temple, the very presence of God in our world today. And so why that matters in God's plan that God would be found through the church where God dwells with us. So that's like our core identity language. We then started talking about our mission, this making disciples of Jesus language. This is really like, what do we do coming out of that? That holy temple identity, what, what happens as a result of that? For this one, we went to 1 Peter 2 and talked about how, again, with Jesus as the cornerstone, we're being built into this, um, we're these living stones being built and we become what the, uh, Peter calls the priesthood of believers. Like we have roles as the priesthood of believers to just talk about what God has done. So as we talk about being representatives of God as part of our core identity, what does that mean? As we learn from Jesus, as we're following Jesus, as we connect with Jesus through, through communion, through prayer, through scripture, through community, all of these things, we're being shaped 
So as people who follow Jesus, we therefore start to act and sound more and more like Jesus. And that, we talked about the importance of our living witness. That's what the making disciples is just being like Christ where we are so people can experience God. We then went through some values. And these are sort of like character traits, what we talk about as a church, of saying things that guide us in our life together and how we really want to be about, for example, renewal. With this, it would be like outreach and evangelism, a radical hospitality that not only welcomes everybody in to what we have here, but also being hospitable outwards, which kind of sounds counterintuitive, but it's not. It's being hospitable towards the way of Jesus out in the world to share that love with other people in various ways. We talked about freedom. We talked about the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in our midst. We want to be people of prayer. We want to be people expectant that Jesus, as our cornerstone, will be present in this gathering as we are gathered in his name through the Holy Spirit in and among us. Like that kind of freedom to live into that is really important in our identity as a church. And then last week, Sam talked about honor, which is like really showing and reflecting God's heart for mercy, for justice. Sam talked about moving beyond a vision and an intention to reflect that heart of God, but actually getting to the means to be people of hope and action as reconcilers and advocates in our city towards kingdom renewal. Okay, so that was like a whole five weeks. Could have done it in five minutes, Melissa, but we didn't. Because sometimes it's good to talk about things more than once, right? To really get it. So within those values, we did get a little less universal. And we intentionally said, hey, guys, so here, when we're talking about this value, here are some of the things that we're doing to foster those character traits, right? So some of that did get more specific so that you guys could consider, like, the why behind the sliders that we're going to serve at Community Night on Wednesday. Totally another plug for community night on Wednesday. It's going to be fun. But like the why behind it, the why behind our gospel communities or G, as we call them GCs, the why behind why we're structured in plurality because we believe in the power and presence of the spirit and we want to rely on the gifts of multiple people to be a body working together. Remember we talked about that. So we, that's like, why are we structured how we're structured? Why are we doing what we're doing? How do we pick city partners that are doing kingdom work, like how and why. So the first things you see sometimes when you're looking at church or attending a church for a long time, either way, you often first see these tangible expressions. And you ask questions about those, and that's really good. So how do you guys do small group? What does discipleship look like here? Where do you serve? Who are you partnered with? Uh, all of those kind of questions, those are really good. How are you organized? These are good questions to ask. But these outward expressions need to have a solid foundation. That's what this series has been about. Because we want to be people who together ask the question to make sure that all that we're doing, all our outward expressions are firmly rooted in Christ as the head of this church, as Christ is the cornerstone of all that we do. And so this series has really been designed to look at any outward expression, but make sure that we are keeping Jesus central and that we have a burning passion to know that the purity of our identity um, as like carrying that beauty together really matters. As I was thinking about this series earlier, I saw this back in my um, prayer journal. I can get really unfocused in my prayer life. I think I've told you this. So sometimes I, I write so that I can like keep myself 
in the moment. Anyway, so it helps sometimes. I went back and I found myself processing this. As a staff, we've been talking a lot about like goals, new fiscal year, budgets. Um, if you guys are partners, you know those have been some of the conversations going on, and they're really important. Stewarding our resources, are, that's important. And the outward expressions are important. But I was uh, prayer journaling this. I said, if we start with what we're doing, start a ministry, get a booth at a fair, without authentic rootedness in who we are and how that spills into how we live, we will be operating in our own strength really quickly. That means we'll be threatened by burnout, potential resentment, and just running out of steam. We'll be a group of people doing good stuff, and good stuff is good stuff, but without reflecting Jesus, without trusting the power of the Holy Spirit, without glorifying God, I just, it's not the same. Like the passion, I need that passion to be there for me, but for all of us. I long for kingdom inbreaking and the Holy Spirit to be powerfully present to fuel us beyond our strengths. Lives that are changed, lives are changed when people encounter Jesus. When people encounter Jesus, often through the Jesus following people who are reflecting him well, right? That's when lives get to be centered on those ways and the ways of Jesus get to impact our world. So the goal of this whole series is to be, okay, I see our identity and I understand why it matters. That would be like the win, right? I know why this matters. Because then we take that heart and we carry it right back into next week and beyond when we go back to the Gospel of Luke. But so we're looking at this remarkable Jesus of Nazareth in his earthly ministry, and we want to remember why that matters still so much today. It helps us to move beyond head knowledge. The stuff we talk about is actual formation as individuals and as people when we carry that bigger passion of our identity with us. So the passage that we read today uh, comes from the same area of week two's passage, 1 Peter 2. Peter's writing to the early church. I'll go back a minute from the week two um, portion again to remind us where we are. You are coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you're his holy priests. Remember, that's where we got that priesthood of believers and, and the what we do, how we live this out language. Okay, so now I'm going to like skip ahead maybe five or six verses to our portion today. 1 Peter 2, 11 to 12. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. And even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they'll see your honorable behavior and they'll give glory to God when he judges the world. So this is the language, the second part especially, like this is the stuff of living witness, right? This is the don't give up on the living witness of the holy broken church. Live this way among unbelieving neighbors because they will still give glory to God. That's back to the stuff we talked about earlier. So I want to go back to that first part because Peter is speaking an identity over the people following the way of Jesus. And the identity he speaks is temporary residents and foreigners within the very culture where you live. The early church knew 
they were living a way that was countercultural, and they were marginalized largely for it, by the way. It was not, they were like not in line with popular culture in the Greco-Roman time. So they maybe felt it a little different than we, a lot different, but I, anyway, don't go down that path. They knew they were living different, and they were markedly different than the world around them. But Peter's talking about this idea, and I want to carry it to today. What does it look like to be kingdom citizens, kingdom of God citizens placed within the culture? Whether that's first century Greco-Roman early church moment or Chicago, Illinois, 2022. What does it look like to look at this and imagine this identity of temporary residents and foreigners. So we're concluding our series with consideration of living as kingdom citizens. Now this concept comes in a couple different places. I'll grab three. Philippians 3.20, we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly awaiting for him to return as our savior. In this moment saying to the church, don't forget who you are when you follow the way of Jesus because the culture's really loud around you. That's a Melissa paraphrase, but like that's what's getting at here. Ephesians 2.19, now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Here speaking to non-Jewish people, aka Gentiles, who had come to know Jesus, you've been grafted in. You have full 100% citizenship immediately in the kingdom of God. When you come to follow the way of Jesus, that's what they're saying. Remember your citizenship now that you've come to follow Jesus. And we know, of course, that Jesus did a lot of talking about the kingdom of God. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. But the moment that I love in Jesus' own words was when he was confronted by Pilate, who asked him about this charge that he was claiming to be king of the Jews. And Pilate's like, what's up with that? And Jesus sits there and says, my kingdom is not of this world. There is a kingdom ushered in by Jesus that has been brought in and is not yet fully done yet. If you've been around church ever, you may have heard of this concept of the here and not yet, meaning it started with Jesus coming. The kingdom of God is near, but it hasn't been fulfilled yet. There's more to come. Thank you, God, that there is more to come than where we are right now. But anyway, that's that kingdom language that Jesus fully owned. So what we see here is a question that has challenged the church throughout her whole history, you guys. Every denomination, every period of time. How do these two kingdoms, a kingdom of this world, where we are in the world we're in, and a kingdom of God, how do they relate? Or should they relate at all? Before we dive into this, I want to say this very clearly. I have no problem with us disagreeing on the way to do this, by the way. In the church, in the Christian journey, there are certain things that we agree on, the things we talked about in the Nicene Creed that we hold fast, but there's a whole lot of other stuff that we can disagree on and still be brothers and sisters in Christ. This falls into that camp. So what I promise you today is that I'm not gonna get up here and try to teach you the way to solve this 2,022-year-old problem right here and now for all of time. I'm not gonna try to give you my take on it or anything. What I wanna do as we finish this identity series, I want us to do is be thoughtful and intentional, even if we disagree on how to do it, to think that we are a people thoughtful and intentional on how we engage 
and engage as kingdom citizens. So we have to acknowledge there's a tension. That's the first thing. We have to be able to say as the people of God who know this identity, I'm willing to say there's a tension here. Wait, be alert, see it, identify it, and then know that you get to decide how to engage intentionally. And so I'm gonna give you some examples of big Christian thinkers who gave a lot of thought to this. Philosopher, I won't go like deep, but like these are big thinkers and philosophers and they've said really important and interesting things through history. I'm gonna do a short version just so you can know some different ideas. So we've got kingdom of the world, kingdom of God language. At one point, good thinkers said, you gotta pick one. These two, they just don't mix. They're so counter each other. They don't mix, you gotta pick one. Things of God and the kingdom of God are really good and can be used to influence the world around but you cannot live faithfully in both. So be cautious of things of the world and be a part of the kingdom of God to do a lot of good influencing as far as possible while we wait for Christ to return. That's one viewpoint. But then others came along and said, I, I think that's like a false dichotomy. That's not exactly how they said it. But it's like, I don't think we can hold these two things and pretend that we're not citizens of both. We have to be citizens of both at the same time. So how we engage with systems of the world matters. We can bring good, God can bring good through systems of the world still. So be intentional on how we're a part of that. Some would take that idea and very specifically say, okay, our world has, has like pillars or mountains of influence, like art and entertainment, politics, uh, education, science, Get the kingdom of God people to the tops of those mountains where their influence just has to spread. That's the way to do it. Get them to the high places and create change. And others said against that, like, oh my gosh, that's so dangerous, you guys. That, that's just too close to the flame of power that can lure us in. It's too much. Don't do that. It's a slippery slope. Stay separate. Let the world see a different way and be drawn to it, but do not exert influence over the world. Stay here, be so different, people can't help but be like, that way of Jesus. I love it. Some of those people to the point where they're like, don't work for government, don't vote, right? Stay so separate. The power's too strong. And other people look at that and say like, no, no. That's the power that kingdom of God people go and fight until God's heart for justice has been restored in every pocket. Don't avoid the power, fight the power. So all of these views, it's a whole bunch of history in like a little moment, and there's more views than that, but what my goal is to just be like, oh yeah, there's a lot of thought behind how to do this kingdom citizen stuff. And there's different ways. And again, I'm not lobbying for one. I wanna equip us to just have the open-mindedness to say, wait, all these people agree on one thing. How we live as kingdom citizens in the world in which we're placed matters a ton. Let's be intentional about how we choose to do this. Even the ones calling for separations, it's so that people would see Jesus, right? So like all of them are for a purpose of God's way being spread. Our living witness matters. Why are we emphasizing this at the end of this series? So our core identity and what we do coming out of that core identity, how we live, has to be constantly checked against the way of Jesus or our so-called kingdom witness as a church 
can start to look a whole lot like an otherworldly mess. It's just a fact. We have to be constantly checking. I was thinking about this a lot this week. When our churches, we're gonna just, for the moment, all of our churches, local church, wherever your local church is, when our churches, our little expressions of kingdom of God, here and now, holy temples in our world today, those little, little expressions, churches, when our churches start to look and act like the kingdom of the world, we need Jesus-loving, brave, and intentional followers of Christ to call the bride of Christ back to her true identity. We need to be alert to our true identity, and so we can be brave to call us back to that when our living, holy, broken witness has strayed in any way. We need to carry passion for the truest identity so we can be sober-minded and alert when anything has started to go astray. So some of you may know this. This week sandwiched between two devastating news stories of mass violence that already had us devastated. That I don't, the, between those two, just like an ugly sandwich was another story about a very large Protestant denomination who had a major moral fail. And I want us as a church to be brave enough to talk about that. Now, here's what happened. I don't need to name, it doesn't matter, but it was in the news. I'll get to it in a second. Thankfully, that denomination was brave enough about a year ago to say, I think we messed up and we're gonna investigate. The investigation came out this week. I'm gonna stop right now. God help the leaders who are trying to figure out which way to go. Jesus, ignite them by your spirit and give wisdom beyond our understanding in the wake of these reports, amen. I'm not gonna talk about my opinion about an outcome, I'm, none of that, I'm not gonna get political on this. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna remind us that as the church, we have to be willing and able to talk about our yuck. That's just part of being holy, broken people, right? Whether we're talking about the Crusades or this last week's news about this report coming out, there's yuck. There's, we have to be alert to the pitfalls of being in this world, but not of it, because it's not always easy. And the truth is, we've messed up before. That's why I get to my point where I say kingdom citizens need to be ready to call out the values of the world got into Christ's church there. It happened. Watch out, everybody, something went wrong. And there, and there, I'm not pointing somewhere else. I'm saying like all of us, sober-minded and alert, the values of our world infiltrated this little kingdom expression and we gotta do something, it's not okay. The news got out that a group, a, a council who had such authority to make decisions in this large denomination uh, were uh, being advised by legal counsel uh, to told to um, not investigate or bring up accounts of sexual misconduct and abuse because it would be a distraction to the mission of the church. But the problem was that as the alleged victims and the whistleblowers were given this news, they were shamed, they were ostracized, they were silenced, and it was horrible. And this witness... This witness, this testimony of the church, you guys, it made all the news circuits. So I, heard, I saw the report because I get uh, Christianity Today. It, it push notified my email and front page on Christianity Today. Of course it was. I was reading it. I was like, ah, oh, this is awful. Just lamented before the Lord in prayer. And I try my prayer time to also just check quick national slash world headlines and then WGN local. 
it was in USA Today. Then I went to WGN. It was in WGN. Then I came to the staff meeting, and Bam, who's the pastor in Humboldt Park, was like, I'm on a news thread for hip-hop and sneaker news, and it was there. Like, you guys, it was literally in all the news channels because at the end of the day, this decision had grown and grown to the place where they had 700, a database, they had a database of 700 cases like this. They were able to keep that just fine, but not investigate any of them. The stories are really awful. It's made by a small group of people within a denomination that was operating so many good, loving, Christ-following people, having no idea this was going on, none at all, right? This is the slippery slope of not being alert to when the kingdom of the world, saying growth at all costs, has messed us up. We have to be sober-minded and alert. Now listen, he keeps saying it. Don't give up on the living witness of the holy broken church, but we will not turn a blind eye. I can't get up here on a Sunday morning and pretend that didn't happen. The sneaker news is talking about it. What happens if we don't talk about it? It's really important. We have to be willing to have a safe place to talk about real and hard things too and bring them all before Jesus for refining, for healing. And by the way, you guys, I just want to say this. If this is one of those things where you're like, no, we did it again. I'm discouraged. I'm angry. Good. This is exactly the people that we need to be in the doors of these expressions of kingdom of God. You need to be fiery about 700 people in a database. Be fiery because that's the way that change happens and a different living witness comes out. Okay, that was an aside. But why do I want to talk about this? Again, I want us to be here to say every single one of us, it's not about people who have different roles in the church. It's about every single people who calls Jesus Lord saying to themselves, hey, kingdom citizens, let's all know the way of Jesus. Let's all know a deep heart level so that when we see something, even a little something that's contrary to that way, we will raise up our red flags and say, hold up. You feel it in the spirit? Like something's not right here. I want to, like, can we talk about that? Hold up. Something's not like Jesus in the cornerstone of that decision. So uh, Joel Green defines cornerstone this way, just for those of us who aren't architects, I'll be brief. But a cornerstone is not only the stone set at the corner of two intersecting walls, as the name implies, but it is one prepared and chosen for its exact 90 degree angle. So the basis of the construction of the whole building, choosing the right corner is basic not only to aesthetics of the building, but also to its stability and longevity. In other words, you gotta have a straight 90 degrees for this thing to stand beyond us. For this little kingdom expression to stand beyond us, Christ has to stay at the cornerstone. I thought about this. I mean, geometry is awful, but let's just go with me for a minute. You know, like when you have two lines that are parallel and you just like do this, like maybe that first allegation was the this, but then time goes on and like what? I look like a cheerleader right now, but like, and you know what, how far it goes? This is when your cornerstone wasn't 90 degrees. And we want to be people who are here in our life together who would say, wait, hold on. That little one moment matters a lot for the trajectory of all time, not just for the okayness of our mission today or whatever that is. Distraction, distraction to the mission. I was so mad, you guys. 
In a couple of weeks, we're going to study the story where Jesus interacts with Jairus' daughter and then is interrupted on his way there by the woman with the issue of bleeding. I'm not going to do the whole sermon now because I'm probably going to get fiery about when I do it there. She interrupts him. And what does Jesus do to the interruption or distraction from his mission? He makes her the mission. Of course she's the mission. The mission changes the minute that somebody vulnerable, the one without power, the one who has been hurt, comes before Jesus. Mission shift right now. How in the world can we do any different? And we need each other to do that in the right way. Someone hurt by the systems of this world or kingdom citizens. We acknowledge the grievous nature of this news, and we pray for God to bring healing to the victims and to the church, but I don't, I don't want you guys to think I'm finger pointing. I'm just, I'm a little worked up. I'm a lot worked up, but I'm not, it's not about finger pointing. I want us to hear this as a sober reminder to every single one of us, not just the ones who do certain functions here. It's for all of us not to fall prey as a church to worldly values and instead live up to kingdom citizens. You guys, even when it's the harder route, Like, yeah, it was going to be hard to be in the news in that local congregation for something yucky. Like, yeah, that's hard. But like, guess what happened? That was really grievous. We got to do the right thing every single time, every time, even when it's harder. I think sometimes in this season, I don't even know if I'd characterize it as like the harder route, so to speak. Sometimes I just think it's like the less glamorous route in our world to live into this. We know our culture values like growth, bigger is better, platform expansion. How are we going to expand our platform? How are we going to curate an Instagrammable experience for people? And now listen to this. I love Instagram. I love looking at your guys' feeds. And I have to say, our Easter cannons looked real good on Instagram. I think they did. And that's okay. I'm not saying not to Instagram in church or whatever. I don't care. That wasn't even my point. My point is, it's not about that. I love fun. I love beautiful. It just can't be the motivation behind the outpouring tangible expressions of what we're doing. Christ has to be the cornerstone of all of it. Are we growing more and more like Christ from one degree of glory to another? 2 Corinthians 3.18, we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. Whatever we look like, be more and more like Christ. You guys, that's like literally the only church measurable I want to be focused on. And we have to be good stewards of our resources. There's other measurables we need to do fine. I want this to be the one that we talk about the most in the expressions of the things that we do. Are we growing more and more like Jesus as our cornerstone? And listen, people very rightly ask sometimes like, hey, where are we going? What's the vision for our next season? What do I get to hear to get excited about? And that's fun. Like, that's fun. I'm all for that. But right now, I'm going to tell you, we are going to a deep and timeless kingdom-centered identity with great intentionality over this season. This has been what we're doing. And if sometimes you're like, I think she said the same things a couple times, good. Say them back to me. Let's make sure we all remember them in our life together. This is big identity, kingdom important stuff. Because wherever we go from here, wherever the next fun thing is, will be rooted in the person of Jesus Christ. 
wherever our next fun thing is, wherever the thing we're gonna try, we'll be guided by the Spirit and we'll know our next steps. I love it, Isaiah 30, 21. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is my way, walk in it. We have to be rooted enough in our identity that we can hear that still small voice while we think what's the fun next thing. I love making plans. I love trying new things. I wanna be creative where God might take us next. I love that. I'm saying that we can have those conversations, but we first remember collectively our identity and we call one another back to that. We know and value our truest identity, Christ's holy temple here in Chicago. As we think about this, I have two thoughts to close us. And again, this is one of those things that probably does feel more thematic again, right? I'm not applying something to text. This is just me saying, guys, this stuff matters so much in our life together. Let me just give you two thoughts. I'm gonna hand them over, do what you will with them. Number one, this is what I noticed from my vantage point. I don't think people are exploring for a church in this moment wanting a glitzy consumer experience. If you've been around the church for a while, you know that there have been those movements, the periods of time where like the performative value, the, the fog machines and the lights and the uh, intricate programming and like stuff like that, that mattered, you know, for people who were looking and stuff. I'm not judging that. I'm just saying like, it's not the, it's not the feeling I get right now. They're not looking for glitzy consumer experiences, neither are your neighbors who don't yet know Christ. Even if they or we don't have the words for it, I think people are hungry for a place where their presence, their participation can matter. People are ready to roll up sleeves, to know and to be known by others, to be part of something bigger than themselves. That's what, that's what the... Uh, drive seems to be right now. Let's bring our real, messy, hopeful, growing selves to a space that honors and fosters all of that, the real, messy, hopeful, growing of ourself from one degree of glory to another, even if it's baby steps sometimes, whatever it is. That, we will hold each other accountable. People want that too. Like, be real with me and let's hold each other accountable. Like, I'm telling you this so that if you see me taking my little compass this much off, you can be like, uh-uh, you said no. We're not doing that. Let's talk about this with Jesus and reconsider what we're doing, right? We want, we want accountability to kingdom ways that honor and reflect Jesus of Nazareth. How he lived, what he taught, how he guides us still today, like this morning, present and active. We're after that. Because kingdom citizens, you guys, are really genuine people. Consumerism just doesn't cut it in this way of life right now. And I think that that's beautiful. So we need to, people are hungry for a place of hope and healing right now. So that's the first thing, which brings me to my second point that I observe. When we talk about where we're going, what we're about, let's get creative. I love those conversations. Try something new. I love it. When we're talking about it, and we're remembering what we're really about and what the vision truly is, truly, truly, it can actually be super simple language, you guys. There's something beautiful in that kind of simplicity, even as we do stuff together, right? And I want you to imagine with me, what would it feel like if the vision of where we're going through this summer is to go deep into this statement? Monsieur de Wrigleyville, let us be a community where the love of Jesus is known, it is experienced, and it is shared, known. We're speaking of it, we're celebrating it. It's known in our midst. It's experienced 
There's people being formed. You actually are experienced what it feels like to be loved by Jesus through community, discipleship and formation in our lives together, and then shared. That's the hospitality and outward movement that says like, this is too big for us to keep here. We wanna be sharing this with the world in our living witnesses. And I just wanna say this as I was thinking about our transition into reflection, which we're about to do. But I was thinking about this, you know what? In my journaling time, at the end of my run, I wanna be about forming this truth alongside my church community. Like that would be a win in my world to be able to say like, you know what? Whatever else we did, whatever else we tried, we made this little expression in our lives together happen. Led by Jesus, empowered by the Spirit for the glory of the Father. This, this is a goal. I think it's worth fighting for. And I just wanna invite us to consider that. Jesus, we love you. And even when I speak the words, just so longing to not have our trajectory off, even by a little bit, like I just know that it's gonna happen. And so I ask you, Holy Spirit, guide us together to right our path when we've misstepped. Help us to be brave enough to be honest. Help us to have the, the courage of confession and uh, the humility that's willing to not let pride get in the way, to say, oh, you're right. Let's look at this again. Let's, let's bring in prayer and seek after a way to, to redirect our course. Jesus, we wanna be after you in all that we do. Shape us, form us, guide us, empower us to be the living witness that I, I believe you not only want us to be, but like that you're, you're building in us for your purposes, for your glory, for all of time. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. We love to keep the conversation going. Find a weekly gathering or gospel community in a neighborhood near you. To find out more, check us out online at missiodechicago.com.